All right. Well, hey, good morning, church. Man, this is a good full room. I love it. You know what? I'm tired of talking about 2020. So today we're going to put that in the grave. All right. And the theme really for this whole morning is what we just sang about the goodness of God through everything that we've been through. The agenda today, it's again, like Jake said, it's, it's a pretty different uh, atypical Sunday. We're, we're calling it uh, State of the Church Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at where we've been. We're not going to spend much time there, all right? We're all ready to move on. Where we've been, where we are, and where we're, where we're going. And uh, man, it's, it literally today marks 52 weeks since our last pre-COVID service, all right? I don't know if you remember what was going on in your life. And if, you know, in my generation, one of the questions is, uh, you know, do you remember where you were when 9-11 happened? And I think for like my kids' generation, it's gonna be like, do you remember life before COVID? You know, it's just been such a weird year. And if you think about, um, you know, where you've been personally, I remember a year ago on March 8th, all right, that was the last in-person service we had before things changed. Um, my wife and I, my wife Annette and I were in Florida getting ready to board a cruise ship. All right. We were taking a seven day cruise to the Caribbean to celebrate 20 years of marriage. And we were kind of trying to escape all the nonsense in the world. And we were like, okay, hopefully we won't get trapped on this cruise ship for the next six months. Or maybe that would have been okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, but we're starting to hear things through the week like uh, you know, over the loudspeakers, like, hey, don't steal our toilet paper, haha. And we're like, what is going on in the world? It was so weird. Um, and then I remember the last day of our, our cruise, we were docked in the Bahamas. It was March 14th, my wife's birthday. Um, I'm throwing that out there because she loves her birthday, all right, in case you're interested. Um, it was the, the last day of our cruise. We're docked in the, the Bahamas, and I'm on the horn with Keith and our leaders, and we're, we're making the decision to call off church the next morning on March the 15th. And uh, I remember I was on my phone and I was like writing out a note that I was going to post on Facebook to say, hey, we're, we're not having church tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it was at, at, the, at the moment, it was, it was supposed to be just a short blip on the radar, right? We're like, well, we'll shut down for, we'll close, you know, out of an abundance of caution. That was one of those annoying phrases that you used over and over in 2020, out of an abundance of caution, we're going to cancel a church tomorrow morning. And we thought, well, this is going to blow over in a couple weeks. Little did we know, 52 weeks later, we're like, can we be done with this stuff already, right? Um, so how has it affected our church? You know, it went from being the short blip to really this, this kind of crisis mode that we moved into. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but, you know, I went to Bible college and, and trained for ministry and done all kinds of training along the way. But never, never, ever, ever did I take a class or a course that was about leading a church in a global pandemic. I'm just telling you, they don't offer that in seminary, right? It's not out there. And, um, you know, especially, okay, leading a church for the first time in a global pandemic. And so, man, what a wild year we've been through. Um, I, I, want, I just want to walk through this because I think this was interesting. You know, March 15th of last year, we did not have a ch a, an in-person church service or any kind of church service. And then starting next week, and for 19 weeks, we were online only. All right, so... I come back from this glorious trip, this glorious vacation, and I immediately am tasked with, okay, how do we get our church services online, all right? And so it was just crazy. So 19 weeks, if you like think about that, 19 weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but if you experienced it, 19 weeks feels like so long that we didn't gather as a church in person. We were doing the online thing. And so for 19 weeks, we were online only from March to July. Beginning of August, what we did is we moved outside. So we did an outside service, 9 a.m., out in the summer heat in South Carolina. You know, I remember, I still remember that first time the sweat was spilling into my eyes and they were burning. And I'm trying to preach, and man, I was on fire. My eyes were on fire. I, my preaching wasn't on fire. <laughs> Um, so we did that for three weeks outside, and it was fun. It was, it was glorious to get back together again. And then the fourth week of August, we, were, we started outside. And then if some of you were here, the, like, the storm came rolling in. And we're like, we better move this bad boy inside. And so we all hustled in here. How many were here with us in person when that happened? Okay, not very many, all right? It was, it was 
interesting. It was fun. We all scrambled inside and we did that week and we're like, this was pretty cool. Let's do that again. And that was kind of the transition where God brought us inside. So we did three weeks outside uh, and then online as well. I was pre-recording sermons then. Then we did one week outside uh, meshed with inside. And then including today, we have been inside and online for 27 weeks. So August 30th was the day we started doing this inside gathering and been going ever since. And it's hard for me to fathom that it's, it's been 27 weeks. Like we've been inside, regathered longer than we were online, which, which literally felt like forever. But this is just kind of where we've been. And, you know, we, can't, we, we didn't have service on March 15th, also December 27th. It was the holidays. So we said, let's not do that Sunday. Um, and then what we had in, in September was our student ministry came back in limited fashion began meeting again on Wednesday nights. Our kids' ministry during this 10.45 a.m. service, um, we started back in November, kind of coming back a little bit. And so it's just been this kind of slow process of, of trying to get back to normal, whatever normal is, right? We're trying to get back to this place. And, and I'll be honest, and I'm sure you, you would express this too, over the last year, you've gone through the whole gamut, you know, maybe fear, anxiety, depression, isolation, frustration, anger, all these things that have come. And, and for me as a, as, a, as a pastor, you know, there have been some times where I've struggled through all of this, where uh, I was discouraged and where I was taking, you know, on myself a lot of the blame and responsibility, like what's wrong with me, what's What's, all this is, is my fault. And one of the things that really has helped me along the way was when I, when I kind of stepped back and got some perspective and I started talking to other pastors and I started hearing some of the same stories and I started looking out at some of the different churches across our nation and I started realizing, okay, it's not just me. It's not just friendship. Right, and it made me feel better. You know, misery likes company, right? <laughs> uh, and so I just realized, okay, this is this is something that, that so many churches are experiencing is is this kind of funk that we're in. And so um, I, I'm going to call Keith Willoughby, our executive pastor, up here. Um, we're kind of doing this family uh, family meeting style a little bit this morning, um, and so Keith is going to come up here, and we're we're talking about the state of the church, as in our church friendship, but even on a larger scale, the state of the big C, the capital C church. And so, Keith, would you share some stuff with us here? Well, I appreciate you guys being here, uh, and it's been a really, really good morning in, in lots of ways. In one sense, we've had four families return for the first time in person, so I know. we really appreciate you guys being here. Um, Friday was my birthday, okay? Thank you, thank you. And a lot of you have, have wished well and sent comments, Facebook, and I appreciate that and gave cards. I appreciate I really appreciate the gift cards that have come with keep some them of coming, them. Keep them coming, keep them coming. If you haven't given me one yet, I'm still here, okay? <laughs> you can catch me on the way out or... I, I can even give you my address and you can mail me. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, you know, on your birthday, especially when you hit those big milestones, people come up to you and go, well, how do you feel to be 30 or 40 or 50? Uh, next year, they'll be asking me, 60, how do you feel to be 60? And you go, well, compared to what? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we get asked all the time, well, how's the church doing? And I really want to go, compared to what? Okay, what am I comparing it to? So we started looking around, what do we compare it to? We can't compare it to pre-COVID um, because if we did, we'll look back that we were running in January, February last year over 400, okay, every weekend. Um, so we can't compare it to that. So what we've done is we turned around and, and looked at some of the experts that deal with churches all across the country and around the globe. And here are some of the things that we're seeing in almost every church, okay? There are a few outliers that you don't see this, but we are very much right in the mix with the capital C church. One is momentum is gone, okay? 
Um, as I mentioned, January, February last year, we were running over 400 on the weekend. Now in person, today is very typical, 130 have been through uh, the services today. We don't know for sure how many are online. You know, that may be anywhere from 50 to 100 more, okay? So we have lost momentum. The churches across the spectrum have lost momentum. We're all overwhelmed because of this uphill battle trying to get back to pre-COVID numbers. Um, we're all dealing with bad habits that have been entrenched during the time, okay? If you come to church every week, you know that's kind of a habit. Well, the 19 weeks of of not being in person and for some longer because of waiting to get the vaccine or or whatever is that habit's been broken so we're kind of dealing with those habits of getting back into that swing of things but there were also a lot of other habits that came about during the stay at home and there's social issues and things like that that we're seeing manifested now that have really come up during the time um, there's a huge uncertainty that remains, okay? You know, when will the new normal come? Uh, in the church world, all the experts are predicting it'll be the end of 2021, maybe the first of 2022, before we establish a new normal. And you go, wow, that's so draining. Um, church leaders are exhausted, just like everyone, everyone is exhausted because we're always trying to battle of what do we do, okay? Do we mask and do we not mask? Do we social distance, do we not social distance? Do we even meet in person? Do we have small groups? That has become so draining that experts are predicting that we will have the largest number of vocational church staff leave the ministry this year than we've had in any other year um, because it has been so draining. But not only on the staff, but also churches, they're anticipating a double in the rate of church closures this year across the country. So it has been very taxing. And the numbers are off, okay, as we've already talked about attendance, but there's also financial numbers. The experts, again, are predicting that hopefully by the end of 2021, giving will be back to 80% of the 2019 numbers. Okay, we're no different. We're not quite at that level, but there is, has been a drop. And then with that comes hard decisions on what do you do? So we're all struggling th with that. But the one thing I'll tell you, and I'm borrowing a, a saying from a political operative back in the 90s uh, with the Clinton administration is never waste a crisis. Okay, and God has had that idea long before uh, the political operative did. We should never waste a crisis. So what churches are doing and what we're doing, and Andrew's going to talk more about this, is we're taking the focus off the crisis and putting the focus on the mission and vision, what God has called us to do. Chuck does not like this, okay? What I'm about to say is change has to accelerate, okay? Across churches, you go, oh, no, no more change. Well, Change for the good, finding out what's best, what God is calling us to do, do that, and not do what God's not calling us to do. Allow creativity. If you look at artwork and music, most of the, the, the masterpieces were done in a time of crisis or a time of tension. We have to focus on being creative and how to move forward, how to reach that next generation. I don't know how many of you are aware of this, and some of you will be excited, some of you won't be excited, but Gen Zers and Millennials will make up 75% of the workforce by the year 2030 in just nine years. So as a church, we have to be focused on what we're doing to impact those two generations. Um, we have to turn that exhaustion and that self-reliance in our own efforts and our own abilities and our own resources over to being dependent on God because we just can't keep doing it and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our church and to work in our church, not just here but across the nation. And we have to replace our preferences with the mission and vision that God has called us to do, to be a church 
that is reaching out. If we do that, then we maximize this crisis instead of just suffer through the pandemic. Yeah, thank you, Keith. And Keith will be back up here for a couple minutes, uh, in just a couple minutes, uh, as, long, as well as some of our, our other men. Um, but maybe now you're, you're in the misery boat with me, right? And it can be like, oh gosh, this is heavy and all this. But I do want to remind us because you know, the reality is that COVID has affected, it feels like almost everything, right? It has affected so much in our lives and in our church. But I want to remind us just for a moment of three things that COVID has not affected. Number one, it has not affected who God is. It has not affected the fact that God is still good. Amen. And he's still faithful in his faithfulness. His goodness is running after us. He, he, he hasn't run out of goodness and faithfulness or power. He is still king of kings and he is still doing his work in building his church. Amen. This is his church. He, it, it, the, the pandemic has not affected who God is. He is still Lord. It has not affected who we are. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have this firm position in Christ that is secure, that you are loved and forgiven. You are part of the body of Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ that Jesus said that is going to continue to advance and push on and push forward. And the gates of hell can't, can't come against it, Right? This is who we are, and that has not changed. And what we are called to do has not changed either. What we are called to do, we're to, to love God, to love our neighbor, to be salt and light, to take the good news of the gospel into all the world. And this is what we're going to talk about here in just a minute, is our mission and our vision as a church, which never, ever, ever changes. So, you know, when COVID hit, um, you know, the, the initial response to it for us as a church and probably everyone was, okay, how do, we, how do we deal with this? How do we manage this situation? And again, I remember thinking, oh, this is going to last a, a few weeks. So how do we manage this? Or how do we lead through this? And then somewhere along the way, it, 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 the focus shifted more to not how do we manage this situation, but how do we survive? How do we survive? As Keith said, there's churches that are are shutting down. There's people that, you know, over the last year have stopped coming to church altogether, all these kind of things. So how do we survive all of this? And, and what I want to do this morning, like I said from the start, is, is I, want to, I want to shift away from that mentality. I want to turn a corner for me personally and for us as a church. And I want, I want you to see Ecclesiastes chapter 3 a passage that you may know or have heard before. Maybe you're familiar with an old 60s rock song that used these lyrics. Ecclesiastes chapter three, Solomon said this. He says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So in other words, what he's saying is that the way that life works, the way that God operates is, is he works in seasons and times and not every season is a fruitful season. And not every season is a dry season, but there's a, a purpose for every single season under the sun. And verse number two, he goes on to say, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Kind of sounds like God knew that COVID was coming, right? Social distancing right from the scriptures. Verse number six, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And what God has, has been showing me and just helping me with is, is, is this idea that, you know what, there is a time to survive. You know, all of us kind of went into survival mode 52 weeks ago and all throughout. We've been trying to survive this thing, but y'all, I'm so tired of surviving, aren't you? I believe it's time to turn a corner, 
to move forward. It's not time to survive anymore. It's a time to thrive. Amen. It's time to thrive. Amen. Let's put this in the grave and let's move forward and do what God has called us to do. In Philippians chapter one, I want want to turn your attention to one more passage here. When Paul, the apostle Paul, who, who had such an incredible impact on this globe for the cause of Christ, he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And he's writing to this group of believers, the church of Philippi, and, and he's saying, man, I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I, joy enters my heart every time I think about you and your partnership in the gospel. And he comes down to Philippians 1 verse 12, and he says this. And again, he's in prison. He's in a prison cell, and he says this. I want you to know, brothers, I want you to know this, that what has happened to me, the fact that I've been imprisoned, for what I'm doing has really served to advance the gospel. Like, don't miss this, that, that Paul was, was in this set of circumstances. And, I, and I'm sure that, that, that Paul lamented the difficult circumstances that he was in. He was made of the same stuff that you and I are made of. He was in prison. Of course, he probably got discouraged and disappointed and frustrated or angry. But you know what? He doesn't record that for us. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's not posting his Facebook stuff. Like, I struggle with this and this. He's not putting all this stuff out there, right? He's, he's encouraging this church and he, he, he's passing along this mindset that he has. And this mindset, this attitude that Paul has in this prison cell, in these dif- difficult circumstances that he is in the midst of, his mindset is this, God, I believe that you put me here on purpose for a purpose, this isn't a wasted season or time for me. It may not be a fruitful season, but man, you've put me here on purpose for a purpose. And Paul goes on to say that this whole, this whole imperial guard that's watching over me in this prison, because God put me here, now that they have heard the gospel, now they know who Jesus is, the saving news of Jesus Christ. He says, now brothers all over the world have more confidence and boldness to preach the gospel because they've seen my life. That even though I'm in these circumstances, man, God is using these circumstances. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And the truth is that God will use our difficult circumstances and our bad experiences to actually advance the gospel if we'll let him. That they will serve his purposes if we will allow them to, if we won't waste the circumstances like Keith said. Because the reality is, church, if, if we don't get better, if we don't get stronger, if we don't become more focused as a church, then we will have spent 52 weeks in vain. We'll have wasted a year of our lives. But God says, man, I want you to redeem and, and, and realize that, man, it is a time to thrive, that I have put you here. I have allowed you to experience this for a purpose, to serve my purposes for the gospel. And I want to remind you, I want to take a few minutes to remind you of our purposes, of our, our mission. We say it every single week, but I want to remind you of, of the reality of this, why we exist. We want to help others to find full life in Christ, community, and mission. Jesus said, you know what? The thief, my enemy, he's come. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. He doesn't want you to know God. He doesn't want your life to matter for anything, for eternity. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly, life to the full, life that is overflowing. It's the life I created you to experience. And the way that we said, we, we, we believe that Followers of Jesus experience that is through Christ, community, and mission. In other words, knowing Christ, having a relationship with him, growing in your relationship with Christ, being immersed in community. In other words, we belong to the family of God, and so we have relationships and friendships and fellowship that help us to grow in our faith. And we're rooted in living on mission, which means we, we want to take this good news to all the world that we would serve people and we would share the good news of Christ with the world. And this is the full life that God has created us for. This is our mission. 
But one of the things that, that I so appreciate um, over these last few months, uh, we, we have this group of you know, staff and deacons, this leadership team in our church um, that have, have helped me get perspective on things. Uh, one of the questions that was asked by one of our deacons so this year we have you know, seven deacons, five of those men are brand new. Uh, two of them were new last year. They, they came on board for the first time serving as deacons in 2020, bless their hearts, right? But five of these men are new to this, this whole idea of serving the church as deacons. And so one of the questions was, okay, we, we understand what, what the mission is to help people find full life, but what is, what is this big picture vision for our church? Like when we dream about where we're going to be at a church in 5, 10, 20 years, what does that vision look like? And really that was, that was so helpful for, for me because I, this, this all goes back to even why I'm in the ministry and, and what I see is what God has, not my dream for his church, but God's dream for his church. And so I want to introduce to you a kind of a vision statement. This will be the first time you hear it. It won't be the last, all right? But this is, this is the big picture vision of, of why we're here as a church. So let me, let me say it to you, and then I'll explain it. Our vision is to be a local church with global impact by reproducing disciples, leaders, and churches. Let me say it one more time. Our vision is to be a local church with global impact, and that happens by reproducing disciples, leaders, and churches. So let me take just a couple minutes to unpack this vision of what God has for us. This is, and again, this isn't, this isn't my vision. This is God's vision for the New Testament church. It's to be a local church, a local church. What does that mean? This means that God has planted this specific group of people in this specific place, Lugoff, South Carolina, Kershaw County. He has planted us in this local community so that we could have an impact for the gospel right here. This is our backyard that God has called us to serve and to reach. We're going to be a local church. And this is, honestly, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is what we've been for years. In fact, this is one of the things that, that drew me and our family here. This is one of the things that for many of you drew you to this church. Is we're a church that cares for our community, that cares for our neighbors. But the gospel work doesn't stop right here. It's to go out into all the world, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said to go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation, Mark 16, 15. And so we want to be a local church that has a global impact, that our impact for the gospel doesn't stay here or stop here, that it goes out into the rest of our, our county and our state and our nation and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what it means to be global, have global impact. So we want to be a local church with global impact by reproducing. So let me take a second to talk about that word. What do you think about when you hear the word reproducing? This isn't a Sunday morning conversation, is it? Reproducing, you think about having babies, right? Having, having kiddos. You know, everybody, probably the most celebrated thing that happens on planet Earth is when babies are born, right? Everybody loves when a baby is born. Unless you're a new mother or father that's not looking forward to the little sleep and the poopy diapers, right? Everybody, everybody loves new life. It's because we were created to reproduce. In fact, you go back to Genesis chapter one in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, you see that, that there's this, this cycle, this process of reproduction that takes place with the vegetation and the animals and then Adam and Eve, man and woman. And God's very first command to humankind was this. It was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And at that point, humans were without sin. They were worshipers of God. And God, God's commission, God's command was, hey, fill this whole planet, reproduce worshipers of God and fill this entire planet. Create this kingdom of worshipers. This was the original 
command from the very beginning. We're to, to be reproducers. We're to take the life that we've experienced and we're to pass it on. We're to invest in others and reproduce disciples of Jesus. And you go to the, to the end of, you know, Jesus, the Messiah comes. He lives this three years of sinless life and ministry on the earth. And he comes to his final moments. And Jesus's last command to his disciples was the same as God's first command to man and woman. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, I want, in other words, I want you to reproduce worshipers of God all over this planet until everybody on this planet worships the Lord God. There's this idea of, of reproducing that's built into who we are. And as a, as a church, we are to reproduce followers of Jesus and leaders. And that doesn't just mean pastors and missionaries and CEOs and whatever. Leaders, we're all to be leaders of, we're all to lead ourselves and we're all to lead others to Jesus. And so as we make disciples, we raise up leaders and we plant churches. You know, can, can I tell you a dream of mine? This isn't, I'm not committing our church to this, but one of the things that I dream about because reproduction is, is, is who we are to be as the church. You know, um, my wife and I have reproduced four times. Right? We have four kids that I love dearly. And, and, and I can't imagine having anything other than, than the six pack. You know what I'm saying? But as a pastor, one of my dreams is how incredible would it be to be a part of a church that has four kids? that plants four churches, that has four daughter churches, if you will. I dream of being a church that plants a church in Kershaw County, a church in South Carolina, a church in the United States of America, and a church somewhere else on another part of the globe to have four kids that we as, as a church have been able to reproduce to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And in case you think this is some kind of new fangled vision, listen, this is part of our DNA as a church. You may not realize this, but in 1985, what we now know as Friendship Baptist Church began as what was, was then known as a church, a mission, a church mission, or what we would call today a church plant out of Lugoff First Baptist Church. Did you know that? that the way that our church began was we were birthed out of another church that had a vision and a desire for the rest of this county to experience the full life that Jesus came to give us. And because of that church that was just following the instructions of scripture, that was just following the model of the New Testament, Friendship Baptist Church was born. And y'all, this is who we are and so calling us to this mission isn't us trying to start something new. It's us trying to get back to our roots. This is how we started. And so, you know what, this is, uh, Keith, why don't you come on up here? I want to talk for a minute. I want Keith to share a little bit with you because the reality is we want to be a local church with global impact. And this is, this is, uh, this is who we've been. And we just want to continue to expand on this. So I want to take a minute to celebrate uh, what God has been doing locally and globally through this church. When Andrew asked me to speak about this, um, it, I was like, sure, great, I'll, I'll do it. But then as I was starting to put on paper the impact that the church had, I was really humbled um, to the point of tears. Uh, so I'll try not to do that this morning. But to give you an idea that the impact our church has had in the last 12 months, it's been phenomenal. You wouldn't realize it until you sat down to look at it. But it just didn't start with what was the efforts of the last 12 months. Much of it started many, many years ago. Okay, um, This year, Sacks of Love, which has been a ministry that we do with other churches to help provide food for kids who... Um, need or suffer from food insecurity. So it was food that they could have during the weekend to hold them over. That started 10, 11 years ago, and it averaged 20 up to 40 kids a week. And then we expanded it to summertime and holidays and that type of stuff. 
this last year the need grew while the schools were closed and the other churches weren't serving kids that we were providing weekly 110 to 120 sacks of food. Okay, you guys work, all right. Also, in 2016, we partnered with Food for the Soul to begin to work with the, the hungry and the f- folks uh, needing emergency shelters in the county. 2019, we decided to expand that partnership to include Monday night meals, and we started in October of that year, and it's a team led by Derek and his wife Phyllis, and many of you in this room serve in it, and folks online serve on it, in it. But it started with 20, before COVID, it grew to 60 to 80. Now, on a regular basis, we serve over 300 meals every Monday night here on a takeout. And it's not just us, okay? Any Monday, we have three to four different churches represented here, okay? Across the spectrum, all right? We actually have not just a multi-generational, but we have a multi-racial group that helps serve. So it's a huge impact. The need has grown. The excitement has expanded so much at Blaney Baptist. Now does it. They have other churches. They're doing over 300 on Thursday in partnership with us. And there's a third church we're looking at coming online. Okay, All because of efforts that were started in 2016. And if you remember back in 2017, we teamed up with the medical clinic that provides free health care for those who do not have insurance or aren't available through Medicaid. During the pandemic, their services have expanded. They are now working with Kershaw Health to even do scheduling for vaccinations. So it's, it's really increased. In 2018, we partnered with Charity Water to do our first international project um, outside of Guatemala. And we raised over $12,000, and we knew that was a long-term project, and it would take anywhere from 18 to 24 months. Our water system, our well that you guys gave over $12,000 for, came online in September. And now every day, 600 people in surrounding villages of the well in Ethiopia actually can get clean water. No longer do they have to spend hours going to a polluted river or a a water hole or a mud puddle to get water, okay, clean water, all right. And then 2019, we expanded our partnership in Guatemala to the village that we had been working with to provide a roof over the community center slash church that the, the village could gather we hired a, a teacher for the middle school because their only elementary is required by law. After that, you have to pay to go to school. We paid for the teacher and equipped the school. And so all of that was going on during 2020. We had a huge impact that you wouldn't see, okay? A huge impact every time you come in. And that's who we are. That's who we, God's called us to. If you go to 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about the law of the harvest. And you look, and God says, because of your generosity, of your time and your resources, he will expand those efforts to reach many people for him and to bring them in. So as a church, who we are now is every day, fewer people go to bed hungry. Okay, because of what we do. Every day, less people have, are getting diseases, have clean water, and are able to deal with some of the unrest that's going on in their country. Every day, kids are being able to be educated and break a generational cycle of poverty. Every day, our, our serve teams are praying with people who are in need that would never come through this door building relationships. Every day we get to see lives changed because of what we've done. And in the future, it's even going to be better. I know we're going to have a bigger impact locally and around the world. Thank you, Keith. We are a local church with global impact. And even when we don't see it, he's working, right? And uh, the vision, the call is to continue to be that kind of church that not only does that locally and globally, but that reproduces. 
And I think this is, this is, this is where we've been. This is where we are. And I want to spend a few minutes talking about where we're, where we're going. Lord willing, this is where the Lord is, is taking us. And so John, where are you? There you are. John Fike is going to come up here. John's one of our deacons. Uh, I'm going to have a few of our guys come up here and share during this part of the service, uh, talking about where we're going. I'm so thankful for John and Ed and Edwin, Chuck, uh, Justin, uh, Tony, um, and Will, our deacons who, uh, let me hand this off to you, um, are serving us and serving you so well. Um, I want to give John a little bit of a chance to talk about this piece that we've kind of labeled as care and connection. So can you guys hear me okay? Hear me with it? <laughs> so Yep, it's good. Okay. So I'm John Fike. Um, and you guys may or may not know me. I know a number of you from a long time ago and we got to go through this the, the first round, so part of it'll be a little more polished than last time maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, I will tell, I got to tell this, so we, we went, after we went through farther through the service, the funniest part about Andrew, and I, and I think about this because Ed, Taj, and I were the, were the uh, uh, blessed ones yeah. that were the deacons from last year. Um, so a lot of it was around prepping for sermons. And so on Easter Sunday, and he make, he'll make a notation about this in a little while, he decided he wanted to come up to our house and video Lakefront. And I was like, sure. And he says, what time does the sun come up? And I was like... You know, we were on COVID time, so I wasn't getting up at 5.30, and I was like, I think like 5.30, and I said, but I'll, I'll see. So Andrew actually came out the first day as a trial run, and he got there really early, and it was the only sunny day for the next four, so it was like the mm. groundhog day. Every day he tried to come film, and he had to keep coming back each yep. day. Yep. But I'll also share something else with you that, you know, the last year, a year into this year, every best laid plan seems to have, I don't know, fun attached to it. So yesterday, I love barbecue. Who loves barbecue in this room? Raise your hand. There you go. Okay. So I am uh, semi-famous, in my family at least, for making good barbecue. And so I made ribs. And so I put these racks of ribs out there. You know, it's 10 ingredients, a little pinch of this, a speck of that. You kind of get it. I grew up in the South. And so next thing I know, um, I'm up there. Well, I go spritz them every 30 minutes. I'm that serious about my barbecue. So that means even though I have a smoker that I can control from my phone, I go down and I, I'm babying these things along the way. And so I go down there, and the reason I have a notepad is because I have ADD. And even at age 50, it's still there. So I said, okay. So I go down there, and I'm looking over at my little countertop. I'm like, that countertop's dirty. I wonder where a cleaner is. Now, my spritzer's apple juice. Squeeze bottle. Spray cleaner. Also a squeeze bottle. Oh, and so I go over there, and I'm just kind of cleaning, and I'm looking, oh, it's time to spritz. So I run over, and I pop the grill up, and I go, and I don't switch the spritzer, and I'm like, ch -ch -ch -ch, and I was like, that doesn't smell right. Doesn't smell like apple juice. So fortunately, I had only ruined one rack of ribs. But uh, that, was, that was really like an analogy for almost all the last year. Best laid plans, be deep into it, and then something totally changed. Um, the other thing I noticed that was kind of interesting is you're, as COVID set in, we all became internally focused. Um, we worried about the most mundane things in life. So before COVID, and I know a lot of you personally in here, and I know one dear friend of mine knows I implicitly, sh I'm picking on her, but I'm not going to call her out, is you would only use natural and organic cleaners. After COVID, that was the only thing on the shelf, and it was bleach or Lysol, and you guys would have bought it by a container ship if you could have. <laughs> and so, and the other thing I kind of turned to is I looked at, it was paper towels, Lysol, and toilet paper, the most important things I could focus on. So as I go forward here, I think about who I am. So I'm a financial advisor by trade. Edwin Kahn's in the room. He's a financial advisor by trade. I'm also a friend a family member, a relative, and a deacon. And on an average, I get about 150 to 200 calls per week. And it's a lot. i got to be honest with you. I spend my entire day on the phone one way or the other. And by the end of the day, I'm worn out. In this last year, I don't know that I ever saw this frequency of things. 
But it was family issues, depression. These are clients, not just church members and friends. Marital problems, death of loved ones, multiple incidents of suicide. That was hard. Health issues, common theme, loneliness. And I got to be honest with you, if you ever need a song, like on one of those days, if you feel that way, listen to Dolly Parton and Zach Williams' song, There is Jesus, because he describes, I think if you look at the lyrics of that song, it's very true. What doesn't change is there is Jesus. As a church staff and the deacons, we had decided to start this uh, Care and Connections. We said, you know, we need to reach out. We're not seeing everybody. We live in this weird society now. You can't touch. You wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Lysol, hand sanitizer. But what kind of came to me and also to, to everyone was Galatians 6.2, and this is the impotence behind this, what we call Care and Connections is, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law. Everyone has had something, going through something, about to go into something, and just realize as a church body, we can't always know as church leaders, we don't always know unless somebody shares that. So we decided to start making phone calls. So for those of you, if you got a phone call yet, it's an ongoing process. We're not trying to sell you a car warranty, <laughs> FYI. Um, but we are trying to touch base and see if there's something we can do for you. The other thing is uh, we want to see if there's something we can pray about. And I want you to remember in all this, as a church body, this is what we're doing, or as a church leadership we're doing. We're going to touch base as we move back to normal because this is going to end. What never changed is our callings as Christians is to reach others, mm. period. The Great Commission always has, always will be. Mm. I'd encourage each of you to take that same step. Reach out to that family member, that coworker, uh, that relative or that friend. I promise you, they probably would really enjoy that touch. I got a good friend of mine over here to the right, Greg Newman. I've known him for years. Greg's a realtor. When Greg has somebody in his car, he's meeting him in the house, and I'll just pick on you, Greg, because you know me long enough I can do that, is Greg has a unique opportunity to pour into the life of somebody else because he's got an audience in time. All of you have that same audience at some point in time. So when you get that call, we're not selling you a warranty. We'd love to talk to you. If you'd like to talk to us, thank you. Thanks, John. Uh, Ed, why don't you come on up here as well? So this whole piece for us, where we're going is, you know, we want to bear one another's burdens. We want to um, be connected with one another because, again, the tendency has been for all of us to uh, shrink back into isolate ourselves and become disconnected. And, and so uh, community is, is the next kind of piece that, that Ed's going to talk about a little. Yeah, before I get into that, I, I realize going through this that uh, what happens when you give a deacon a microphone, we turn into pastors. So <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to try to keep things. Hey, wait. What? <laughs> Bear with me here. I'm looking at the clock. Um, so I'm going to get right to the point and talk about caring and uh, community, the, emphasize the community aspects of it. So how do we grow to be resilient from this COVID stuff? It, it's instilling the word and the mighty power of God that, that we have as heirs in Christ, right? And so how do we move from sipping on milk to being doers of the word, being empowered to step out, go through the doors, into the world, into COVID, and, and not get caught up in all the day-to-day -day grind that's on top of whatever's going on with COVID. We've got kids, we got work, we got all that other stuff that's going on. One way to do that, as in Acts 2, is meeting together with fellow believers, sharing each other's burdens that John mentioned, and breaking bread together. That helps us understand what we see in the Word, how we apply it in our daily lives, and gives us the hope that we can go out into the world. 
So we're adding a few opportunities, and, and we'd love to meet everybody where you are in your walk. We can't necessarily do that, so we're starting small. Hopefully this will grow into bigger, more long-term uh, groups that meet together uh, on a regular basis. But I encourage you to, to step out in faith if you've never been in some of these small groups before or if you have and, and want to lead or, or jump into this, let us know. We've got some uh, cards that Andrew will explain about. But uh, pray and, and continue to grow and challenge ourselves throughout this time as we come out of COVID to be better Christians and, and not live in fear. Um, Yes, I have ADD, so I'm trying to read my notes as well. Um, so keep in mind the theme that we're going through this whole sermon today is, is working towards the Great Commission, working towards being those people who can meet the challenges, who can talk to folks, who can share the word, and, and, and be doers of the word, and, and show love, um, God's love, be vessels through him, to the rest of the world. So Andrew has a couple of opportunities that he'll explain uh, as we go forward. Thanks, Ed. Um, so, you know, one of the things, even, even as I came here, uh, one of the focuses of friendship was we, we need to increase our, this, this idea of being connected in community. Uh, and so, you know, you, you try to start those things going and then COVID hits and everyone isolates. And so one of the things we see is this need for us to connect with each other. And the reality is the, the you know, when you look at our church, it's, it's, you know, people have come and gone. And this is the way that God, over time, operates in his church. God um, moves people in, moves people out. And it typically happens over time. But as with most things in COVID, uh, things are... Uh, accelerated or, you know, revealed. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of new folks in our church over the last year, two years, three years. And some of you don't know a lot of folks here. And so we want to provide opportunities to connect. And so there's two, two types of groups that we want to kind of talk about for the next couple minutes. One is the, the baby step we're working on right now. And one's one that we're going to work on, uh, work towards. The first one is called connection groups, connection groups. And these will be short-term uh, typically six to eight weeks long, um, they will meet here at the church. And these are just small groups where you can connect with folks, get to know other folks. It's easy in, but you're not committing to, like, I'm going to be in this group for the rest of my life, all right? Which some of us are like, eh, I don't know. So this is, these are connection groups, and we're going to kick these off immediately following Easter, which is a short four weeks away, all right? We'll talk about that in a minute. So connection groups will start. We've got two in particular that we want to mention. And these are going to be kind of based off of uh, video content that we have that's provided for us as a church um, through Right Now Media. If you've never signed up for an account, it's free. It's through our website. If you go to the resources tab, it's kind of like the Netflix of Bible studies. All right. But there's two studies we're going to kick off after Easter. One is called the Book of Colossians by a pastor named Louis Giglio, who's based out of Atlanta. Um, this is a seven or eight week uh, Bible study. And so the idea is you'll watch a little video and then you'll, you'll talk and discuss and just meet new folks. So it's a great way to connect around scripture. Uh, another, a second study we'll be doing is one called Thriving in Babylon. And it's by Larry Osborne. He's a pastor in Southern California. Um, this is based on the book of Daniel. And it's really about living in a godless culture. Like how do we live as followers of Jesus in this culture that God has put us in. So, Book of Colossians, Thriving in Babylon, this is about a five-week study, all right? So we're gonna just start, uh, and we'll add to these as, we'll, as, as we move forward, um, different kinds of groups where you can get connected for this, these short periods of time. But then there's a second type of group that we're working towards, and we've called it by different names in the past, but we're gonna call them community groups. And these are ongoing groups that will meet kind of by semester during the year, and these are ongoing relationships that will meet in the homes. Uh, the church will be available as well for larger uh, groups. But this is an opportunity for ongoing community, ongoing relationship, where you can bear one another's burdens. And so those are going to be coming. Um, 
a little bit later in the year. Some of you aren't comfortable with meeting in other people's homes right now, and we get that. Um, you know, maybe some of you will jump into a connection group, and you're like, I like this group of people. Let's start a community group together, and let's start meeting every week together, and that can certainly happen. But what we're, what we're trying to do, like Ed was talking about, like the book of Acts chapter 2, is we're trying to create opportunities for the church to gather outside of the Sunday morning space where we can connect with each other. And so those are coming. What Ed referenced were these interest cards that our deacons are going to be handing out as you leave that have these different opportunities if you're interested. Uh, there's more opportunities than just these, all right, but these are a couple that we're kicking off. If you need childcare, uh, let us know that you need childcare on these interest forms or what days of the week are good for you. We're going to try to figure all that out uh, as we go along. Ed, thank you for your time, sir. Edwin, why don't you make your way up? Edwin is our last guy up today, and we're going to talk about this role, of, this idea of serving the church. All right, so this is Edwin Kahn with his well-worn, glorious Bible that he's bringing up. <laughs> morning. Morning. All right, we're going to talk about serving here. Pretty soon this has become, uh, we're going to go back to normal. And right now we have some needs for serving, okay? The needs that we have, and they're not inclusive, one of the needs is getting back to the host team, because pretty soon we're not going to be coming in through these two doors, we're going to be coming in through those doors. So we need people to greet people outside as they enter the church in the coffee fellowship, have an information table. And when I think about this, that we need people, I think as being a member, member of any church, that there's a responsibility that we have, okay, or obligation that we have. But really, serving is being obedient to Christ. This is something that we should do. So that's one need that we have. To make this magic happen on the stage here, we need some tech help. Okay? This is magic. Right to here. give <laughs> those guys capacity to do this job. The other areas is help raising the kids, investing in the young, the youth here. So we need some help there. And again, it's not an all-inclusive list, but it's some needs that we have in the short term. So that's pretty obvious what they do, but think about yourself. If you participate in this, here's the great part. If you participate, it's your opportunity to get back to community, which we've been lacking for the past year. Okay? So here you can get back community with a host group, with other teachers. Okay? It's also the opportunity to grow in your faith. So as you're in those groups, seeing other people in their faith, it gives you that opportunity to grow in your faith. Okay? The other way, you can participate in the mission and the vision of this church. Be an active participant in that. Okay? So what we're doing here, we can do outside the walls here. There's those cards which you're going to get handed out as you leave. Also online. And on there it says, I'm interested in learning more about these areas. Interested in learning. It's not committing you to. But it's saying you've got an interest in it. It's in the host, it's in the technology, it's with the kids or the other areas. And I will tell you this, you'll probably go, nope, 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 but there should be a yes in there somewhere for you. Okay, let me go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. I will tell you, my wife's not here, so I can say it. Barbara, <laughs> don't tell her. In this, if this is online, edit it. <laughs> I always struggle with my wife when she would, and I'm standing up. Uh, they have ADHD and go to paper. I got ADHD and stand up. I always struggled when my wife would not volunteer for somebody. When somebody would ask her to volunteer, and she'd say no, because that was not where her gift was. But there is some place where her gift is, and she uses it. Okay, so just remember that. You got these cards. As you leave, you'll get them online. Feel free to fill them out. Thanks, awesome. Andrew. Thank you, Edwin. All these preachers up here today, y'all. This is why we're running late. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so really the main idea behind all we're talking about, where we're going, this care and connection, this community, serving, really the idea here is that if we're going to thrive as a church, if we're going to fulfill this vision that God has given us as his church, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take every single one of us. 
because this isn't my church, it's not your church, this is our church, this is God's church that he is building through us. Let me point you to one thing that's coming up soon though, I talked about already. Four weeks from today, it's gonna be Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is like the Super Bowl for pastors. Pastors love Easter Sunday. But you all know my first, my first Easter here was weird. <laughs> it was spent in John Fike's yard talking to a camera, all right? Um, this was Easter for me. And so like, man, we get, to, we get a chance to do Easter this year and what an opportunity for us to invite folks into, into the, the incredible reality that Christ rose from the grave, amen? We get to celebrate that. We get to invite folks into that. It's not gonna be like a normal Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it will be a little different, but let me tell you how it's gonna look. We're gonna do one service together, all of us, kids, adults, all of us outside, one service in the morning. We're going to follow that up with an Easter egg hunt for the adults and then the kids. I'm just kidding. We're just, just for the kids. We're going to have this opportunity to hunt for eggs. Um, there will be a couple photo booths where we'll take, you can get your obligatory Easter family photo, all right? And we'll post that uh, online for you to download that. Um, and we'll have some refreshments and it's just going to be fun family time. But here's what I want to challenge us to. Four weeks away is Easter Sunday. We get to celebrate new life in Christ. And one of the things we've talked about for the last couple of years is who's your one? Who's the one person that God has put on your heart that maybe is the one person that he wants you to reach? And I want to challenge all of us to consider the one and to pray for and invest and invite that one to Easter on April 4th. 2021 in four weeks. Would you do that? Would you pray and invest and invite? Because we have an incredible opportunity to, to begin to turn the corner and begin to thrive as a church.